The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I listened with great interest to Jonathan Kahn's message on the return. I listened to his prayer. His words were majestic and soaring. If you haven't heard his message, you need to go listen to it on the internet or wherever you can find it. It's well worth listening to. It was inspiring. It was motivating. It was excellent. I want to come today to the question of this return, of this revival. And one of the questions that we have to answer, if we're going to be revived, what is our condition currently as a church in America? And on the 24th of September, Dana Coverstone 
the Assemblies of God pastor who has been sharing visions and dreams from the Lord, released another dream or vision. I want to share that with you today, and then I want to talk about it with you. So this is about a six-minute piece. Listen carefully as we share this message from Dana Coverstone. everybody, Pastor Dana Coverstone, Brooksville, Kentucky, Living Room Ministries of Some of God Church. And uh, I want to share a dream that I had. I have, I've had one of three. I've had three, um, ones which I cannot share at the time, one which I need to wait to get a little bit more insight on. Uh, but this one was a, a, a vision that I had uh, September, um, September 14th. I've waited just a little bit to share it. I did share it uh, Sunday night at the uh, September Psalm Assembly in Plano, Texas, at the 40-hour prayer and fasting event. But I wanted to just share this. I, I, I had a, this, was a, this was not a dream, this was a vision. I was watching, I still believe, with my wife and my son and his girlfriend, and zoomed out. It was almost like the camera zoomed back to me, and I saw something. I saw an elderly and an emaciated woman in a hospital bed. She appeared rather weak. She was malnourished, almost skin and bones, and, and there was a hospital worker that appeared that appeared to be a, another guy that I a guy that I saw in a, in a previous dream. It was kind of connected. But I'm still not sure how, and almost like an orderly, somebody who was working at the hospital to help with things. And uh, he was standing near her bed. He he put down the side rails and he lifted her out of the bed and he clutched her tightly to his chest in a very loving embrace. It was almost like a son holding his mother, who was about to pass away. She like once again she was elderly. She was emaciated. Her skin was almost like the broken kind, of like like you felt if you touched it, it would like it would break. Uh, she was just very, very weak, very, very sick. And uh, he he kind of helped picked her up like the, and held her to his chest. Her head was here, and uh, holding like kind of has his hand out here like this, and just kind of holding her, her his hand with her had his hand on her face. His eyes misted over, and he gazed very lovingly at the woman. He tried to open her eyes, but she did not even have the strength to do so. Barely able to whisper, almost not breathing at all. But the man held her closer to his chest and moved his lips like he was praying. And then I realized he was blowing over her face. He was holding her ear. There was tears coming down his face. But he just began to blow over her face. And uh, he was holding on her left hand with his right hand that time he squeezed that open hand gently with her left hand and her skin was chalk white it was pale all over it was almost death there was a deathly pallor to it I'll say it that way her hand began to darken just as soon as that man squeezed her hand Suddenly her face began to light up. There was some color coming back to her face. Her hair began to turn like a light brown. And her body started to fill out. It was almost like weight was being put back on. She was, she was growing in, in his arms, healthy weight. She was, her eyes were like, trying to open and trying to focus and trying to see. And she asked him to set her down, but he said, your strength is not returned, but it will soon. And she asked to be set down, almost like on her feet, like she wanted to walk. And the man said, I know better. You need time to rest. She started to ask one more time, and he told her not to ask again. And then he laid her gently back into the bed and he covered her up. And he walked to the door and he looked back. And he said for her to not to try to walk too soon or she would end up limping. He said, you need to be able to run. So stick to the instructions or you will be ineffective later on. And then he said, stay braced. And occupy until I come. One of the biggest distinctions with this dream, this vision, 
was I've always seen a white ethereal type figure, which I, I know was Jesus, the Holy Spirit, combination of both, one or the other. But this time, this was his hospital orderly, this, this man who I've seen now in a previous dream I'll be sharing here uh, in the near future. But he said, stay braced and occupy until I come. Well, now I know exactly who that figure was. It was Jesus, because he's the only one that's going to be returning in that sense. Yes. But I saw something that was almost near to death. Could it be the church? It could be. But I think I was watching the Bride of Christ with hope breathed all over her. I think I saw a battle-weary, battle-worn bride that was being told to get ready. All I know is I saw her come back to life. I saw her come back to hope. And I saw life spilled out all over her because of the breath of the one that was holding her. But he told her to get as good as she could, as well as she could, because she needed to be able to run. So stick to the instructions. So folks, stay in the Word. Let God do what He wants to do in your life. Realize He's coming back soon. I believe that. I believe that. I've been saying lately that I think everybody's going to find out that their end times theology probably has, it's not going to pan out the way we all think it is. Everybody's going to be wrong about something. I'm not arguing pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever. I'm just telling you, you need to be ready whenever he comes. I've not changed my theology. I've not changed my opinions. I've had all sorts of people asking me about that. I believe Jesus is coming back, and I want to be ready when he comes. He's telling the bride to get ready to run. Get ready to run. Get ready to run. Get ready to run. So take this. Pray about it as you will, as you want. That's what I saw in this vision, and I'm sharing it today. I hope it will be a blessing. And more than that, I hope it will give you some insight into what God is doing in the church and saying to the body of Christ. That was released on the 24th of September. It's a, a very vivid picture of the condition of the church in America. I don't think the church in America is battle-worn. I think the church in America is sin-sick. We have taken in the poison of the world and the flesh and the devil to such a degree that the church is almost dead. Now, Jesus spoke about this. The risen Lord spoke about this. It's found in Revelation. Revelation, the third chapter. Let me turn quickly, and I'm just going to read a portion of this. You've all heard it before. Revelation, the third chapter, the church at Laodicea. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, in other words, Jesus is describing the church very much as this dream of or this vision of Pastor Coverstone, right on the edge of, of collapse and doesn't even know it, unconscious. Now, I want you to hold that thought. I want to deal much more with that today. I am counseling you to buy from me gold having been refined by fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and that you may rub eye salve 
on your eyes that you may see. And all those whom I may love, I convict and instruct. So you must be zealous and you must repent. Listen, I have stood at the door and I am knocking. If anyone may hear my voice and may open the door, I will also come into him and will dine with him and he with me. The one overcoming, I will give to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. The one having an ear must hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, I want to share with you a dream that I had. I had this dream on August 20, 2020. I was in the dream traveling with a small caravan of cars. We were the church. We came to a place where the road was blocked, that we could not leave the city by that route. We were at an utter, total dead end. And so we stopped and we waited. And as we were stopped and waiting, suddenly, with no way forward, with no way to find our way to the temple of God, for that was what we were seeking, everything shifted and changed. And I want to tell you today that everything in the church is at a dead end in America. The church is stopped in America. We're out of our buildings. In some parts of the country, they can come together. But the church has been vomited out of its buildings. And persecution has begun. Now, the dream changed and suddenly there was a new scene before me suddenly we were at the temple of god i began to walk out onto the parking lot which was totally empty there was not one car in the parking lot of the temple of god instead of parking spaces there were parking lanes I walked along the edge of the parking lot and I suddenly noticed that the lanes all had names. They were named after the chapters of the book of Romans. The first lane I came to was listed as a sign, chapter 1. I continued walking chapter 2 all the way to chapter 6. When I came to Romans chapter 6, the Lord directed me to walk toward the temple on the Romans 6 parking lane. As I came almost to the temple, I saw a small opening, maybe three feet across in the pavement of the parking lane. It was protected by a a wire grill so no one would fall in. When suddenly I looked up and there were two men coming from the temple of God and they removed the protective grill. I walked closer And as I walked closer, it began to expand and grow until it was a beautiful stone stairway leading down into a pool of water, a baptismal pool. The two men now led a beautiful young woman 
covered in gold to the baptismal pool. Then the men stood back, and I began to speak to this young woman very gently, urging her to come forward and to enter the pool and to be baptized. She turned aside. She was resistant to the idea of entering that pool of baptism. And I awakened, and I began to pray. And I was very clear about what the dream meant. I knew the dream meant that this young woman dressed in gold was the bride of Christ. But the bride of Christ, while having gone through some trials and traumas and having to come to a place where that bride absolutely confessed Jesus as Lord, as that bride had a heart for love, of love for Jesus, as that bride went through those difficult times, she had begun to trust fully in Jesus. But now it was necessary for her to enter that pool of water to be baptized. She was resistant to do that. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 3, Are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were buried together with him by the means of the baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. And that word newness is as something that has never before existed, a total transformation. Now, the passage I read for you at the beginning of the broadcast out of Revelation, the third chapter, talks about the bride needing the church, needing to be dressed in gold. The next step is the church must then enter the baptismal tank. That is, the church must be crucified with Christ and put on the white garments of righteousness. Now, what if... What if you have been taught a standard that is false? What if what you know about Jesus is not true? I listened, as I said, very carefully to Jonathan Kahn's sermon. It was an excellent sermon. It was masterfully put together. It was majestic in tone, volume, and content. It called for a return to God. And it said that repentance was the only way we could return to God. And so he called us to repent for the nation's sins, the sin of abortion. He said, there is blood on the hands of, of the church and of America. Sixty million babies murdered. He spoke about the symbol of the rainbow being the symbol of God's covenant of his righteousness. But today, the rainbow has been absconded. It has been stolen and twisted into something perverse, and wicked. He called us to repent, and people did. They got on their knees, and they cried out to God. He led us in a sinner's prayer, 
at the conclusion of his message. The problem, the problem is that American churches have taught doctrine and theology that prevents us from repentance. That was not addressed. Let me read it for you. I'll begin in Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. You must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin even once hereafter, because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey, you are servants to whom you obey, whether sin in death or of obedience in righteousness? But thanks be to God because you used to be servants of sin, but you obeyed out from the heart a standard of teaching under which you were delivered. Or if you come to the NIV, listen to what, listen to what it says. Let me get the exact passage, that one sentence. It's verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching or the standard of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. But the form of teaching or the standard of teaching that has been delivered day after day on this radio station and from the pulpits of America, from the national preachers in America, the form of teaching that has been taught is that you can never leave your sins and you don't need to because you are under grace. That your past, present, and future sins were all forgiven at the cross and the work of redemption was finished at the cross and now you simply need to accept what Jesus did and when God looks at you, he won't see you, he will see Jesus. And so you will now continue, they say, always walking in sin but saved. You are positionally saved with imputed righteousness. That teaching is not in accord with the teaching of Scripture. Nowhere in the Scriptures will you find the teaching that your past, present, and future sins were forgiven at the cross of Jesus. That's simply not true. It is not found anywhere in the Bible, and yet it has become the standard belief of the modern American church. And with that belief, the doors of wickedness have swung wide open so that today the church is so emaciated, so aged, so sick, at the point of death. Now, Pastor Coverstone's vision is a great encouragement to my heart because in his vision, I'm not going with his interpretation. I'm taking simply the vision God gave him. The vision God gave him, and I believe it did come from God, is that 
Jesus picked the church up with tears in his eyes and began to blow upon it. And as the breath of God began to blow over the church, the bride began recovering. Now let me be very clear with you. If you believe that all of your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven at the cross, and if you believe that there is no way you can lose your salvation, you have been taught a doctrine that will totally block you and vaccinate you against the breath of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The only way revival can happen is via repentance, but it must be a personal conviction and understanding that my sin will cause me to die for eternity, that there is going to be no imputed righteousness to cover over my sin, that grace does not cover sin, grace exposes sin. Grace is God's incredible love and favor for us that causes Jesus to weep over the church. But he wants a bride without spot or wrinkle. Revelation, let me turn to this quickly. Revelation tells us very specifically what the bride is saying. Revelation 19, I'll begin with verse 5. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Did you catch that? The wedding, the wedding supper of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. How does the bride make herself ready? Revelation 3 tells us. The bride, going through some trials and difficulties, has come to trust in Jesus to confess Jesus as Lord and as Savior. But that's not enough. There must also be a crucifixion. The fine linen that the bride of Christ wears was given to her to wear. The righteous acts of the saints are not works of the law. They are works of faith. Jesus does not impute his righteousness. He imparts his real righteousness to us. The Holy Spirit regenerates us, washes us, cleanses us, makes us whole. But you see, if you believe that all of your past, present, and future sins were forgiven at the cross of Jesus, in spite of the fact that there is no biblical teaching that that took place. If you have believed that modern teaching, and by the way, if you go back to a Reformed preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards, you will not find that he will teach that Jesus finished the work at the cross. You will find Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and other great Reformed preachers of the past 
taught that if you continued to walk in your sin, you were not saved. But the modern church has changed that and said, oh no, you're saved. You can't lose your salvation because you were forgiven past, present, and future sins. No, the Holy Spirit said to me, speak gently to the church. So that's why I'm here. I'm speaking gently to you who are the body of Christ and to those of you who would like to become a part of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, you must place your trust entirely and completely in Jesus. And then you're going to have to be crucified with Jesus. You're going to have to die to all self-life. Some of you have a very well-developed self-life. You have all of your little hobbies and sports. You love to spend your time doing everything else but reading the scriptures and praying. Things that absorb you, that you are most interested in. And when you have a few moments, you don't turn to the scriptures. You don't turn to praise to Jesus. You don't rejoice in his kindness in saving you. You go to those worldly things, whether it be the Redskins or the NASCAR or the basketball, the professional sports, the, the, the movies, the entertainment, the wickedness. Or you turn to cleaning your already clean house. Or you turn to some entertainment. You go shopping. You do something. We all have the same amount of time. What are we doing with that time? For you see, the self-life must end. It must be crucified with Christ. And now what we do is focused in the life of Jesus. A man who was at the at the return showed up at my door on Sunday. He came with a contentious spirit, rude, disrespectful, confronting, obviously not the love of Jesus. I was deeply troubled by his attitude because it's the attitude of a person who believes that they're saved. But they've never been crucified with Jesus. They've never truly been converted. I find this time after time after time. You see, there must be an absolute trust in Jesus, and we gain that by going through the trials of this life and the shakings that are now coming upon our nation, and they're going to grow much worse in this month of October. Brace yourselves. The storm is about to hit. Now, beyond the putting on of the gold of the faith and trust in Jesus, there's going to have to be a crucifixion where we utterly leave our life of sin and wickedness. Now, after that takes place, then we can go to the ISAV and the anointing power of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the desperate need of our brothers and sisters and pour our life out for them, for their salvation. The Jonathan Kahn return skipped this part of the crucifixion of the self-life and went immediately to the great revival that God is going to bring to America. 
God is not going to bring a revival to America. He's going to revive his people. And he cannot revive his people if we have believed doctrines of devils that vaccinates us and prevents us from being under deep conviction of heart regarding our true condition before God. If we believe that we were saved, sanctified, made holy at the cross, and that we can't lose our salvation if we simply confess the name of Jesus and say with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, then we can't lose that salvation. Then you have believed a lie. And if there is a revival, and I believe there will be, I think this vision of Dana Coverstone that I shared with you today is absolutely right on. The breath of God is going to blow on the American church. In fact, I believe it has already begun. And I'm crying out to God day by day. The first thing when I wake in the morning, I say, Oh God. Breathe on me the breath of life. Breathe on me breath of life. Breathe, Jesus, upon me. I'm the one standing in need. We're going to have to humble our hearts before God and we're going to have to leave the false teaching of the modern American church. Now, I don't care if you return to the Reformed doctrine of Jonathan Edwards or George Whitfield, or if you go to the holiness doctrine of the John Wesley Methodist or other holiness movements. I don't argue with either. But what I argue is that you cannot be vaccinated against the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and expect to enter into salvation. And the sins that we so quickly cover are the church's lust for entertainment and the pastors have provided much entertainment with music and dance, concerts and plays, multimedia, always encouraging and saying, you're saved, you're, you're on your way to heaven, everything is going to work out, let's pray for revival in our land. No, it's not going to work that way. Some have asked me, Pastor, why didn't you go down to the mall on Saturday? My answer is simply because I could not bear to be disappointed one more time. I've been to so many. And always they end up the same. Let's say a little sinner's prayer and let's love Jesus and let's, let's return to him. He loves you. What they're missing is the desperate cry of Jesus as he blows upon his church to personally repent of our sin, to personally be crucified with Christ, to personally cut off our self-life, to personally cut off the television, move it out of your house. It's an instrument of utter wickedness and darkness. To limit your time on the internet, to limit your time on your cell phone to limit and erase your long hours listening to Christian music, which is not Christian, but is simply worldly music with Christian words, but most of them are cheap and sentimental and don't stand up to the old hymns of Methodism. There's going to have to be a change in the standard of teaching that is delivered to your heart. 
and you must begin to search honestly the scriptures. Begin in Romans and read it and read it and read it until you begin to let it sink and soak into your heart and ask Jesus to reveal the truth of your spiritual condition before a holy and mighty God. Don't believe what I say. Don't believe what others say. Search the scriptures for yourself and ask the Lord to uncover, uncover the truth of his righteousness and of the need for you to be made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ in reality, not not in make-believe land. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I want that new life for you. And I'm calling you now to enter into that baptism of crucifixion with Jesus. I'm asking you to to count yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm asking you to stop letting sin reign in your mortal body. Would you read the scriptures and not interpret it according to your experience, but would you read the scriptures and interpret it by the literal words that are on the page and don't buy into the lies that Jesus forgave you for your past, present, and future sins at the cross? He did not. He simply made full and complete provision for you and for me. If we will access that provision and be made righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ in reality and turn from our wicked ways, turn from our self-indulgence, turn from our anger and our bitterness, turn from our sexual immorality, turn, turn, turn to Jesus Let's pray. Lord, I've shared today the word you've given me. I recognize that it is at odds with the standard of teaching that has been taught in America. But Lord, I also see that that false standard has brought in every unclean and filthy spirit to the American church until that church is almost dead. It is dying. And I'm so grateful that you have promised that you will come and blow upon us and revive us once again. Lord Jesus, please hold us in your arms and revive your bride. Rescue us, Jesus, from the wickedness of false teaching. Return our hearts to your heart, Jesus, washing us and making us clean. Five minutes. Oh, Lord, we're not going to be able to make it through this if you don't carry us, if you don't blow upon us. Lord, we have our favorite little hidey caves where we go to comfort our hearts. Lord, would you become that hiding place for each person listening today? Lord, I renounce every hiding place that is outside of your heart. I renounce every hiding place found in the world, the flesh, or the devil. It is you my heart yearns after Jesus. Lord, send your spirit. Revive your people. And make us righteous in reality.
not in make-believe. Lord, I thank you, and I praise you, and I worship you. Almighty God, have your way. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. Thank you for listening today. Would you subscribe to the YouTube if that's how you listen to this broadcast? The more subscribers we have, the further Google will spread the research for people to find this broadcast. About 30% of the new listeners come from Google search. So would you subscribe and help us reach even more people with this broadcast? I also ask if you would help cover the cost of this radio broadcast. We're almost at the end of the month and the check will be due at WAVA. We must buy the airtime. It's almost $4,000 a month. And we walk by faith. I'm also pleading with God to open for us the FM dial of WAVA. Would you join me in praying for that also? I'm also praying that this radio broadcast could go national. It would take a $1 million offering for that to happen. That's what it would cost for one year of national radio. I don't have that. But Jesus does. And I'm praying that if you have that and you would like to contribute to make that happen, that you'll contact me. Well, we're almost out of time. You can donate to this broadcast by writing to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And thank each one of you this month who has so kindly and generously given. Thank you. God bless you. You can also give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com and up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a button that you can click that says Donate. Please, if you would like to give online, do that now. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I hope today's been helpful to you. I look forward to your responses. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.